0: immersive audio podcast in conversations with industry thought leaders practitioners artists academics and entrepreneurs discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry from art science and business to practical insights and project case studies we aim to inform educate explore and unite the community
1: Hello and welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast, episode 57, with me, host Oliver Cadell and Monica Bowles. Hello. Our guest today, Hugo Larin. Hugo is a key collaborator of the Flax Immersive SPAT Revolution Audio Engine Project and has deep roots in audio mixing, design and operation, as well as in network control and data distribution. He launched his career in production equipment, rentals and in studio recording. His passion for technology and for the entertainment production environment quickly drove him towards the live production sphere. His activities include a number of mixing operation and technical director roles on a variety of high-profile productions and events. Hugo, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here today. Great to be here with you guys. Hello, Monica.
2: Hello. We're excited to have you here.
1: I wanted to talk about uh, Lander which some of the listeners might be already familiar with. Uh, it's been around for a number of years, and it's been known as automated mastering online service. In a nutshell, you upload um, your music, you pay the fee, and you get um, a master track with some processing applied has evolved over the years and you know become more sophisticated with options and various algorithms that you can interact with Uh, but very recently obviously on the back of the whole um, Apple Music and Dolby Atmos collaboration craze they announced a new service which uh, promises uh, automated Dolby Atmos mixing. First of all there's so many things that are wrong with that I don't even know where to start but I'd love to hear your opinion. Hugo, since you're our guest, um, uh, let's start with you.
3: Well, and and that I know, Lander, or however you pronounce it, is from Montreal, where I'm from. Uh, am I correct saying this? So you know that information, Monica or Oliver? I don't know if you know it, but yeah, they I think they are, you know, they, they are from Montreal, where I'm from. So, I mean, you know, for people, you know, like me, that's been, you know, focused at, you know, you know, the the workflow the process of mastering for example or the process of doing spatial audio and see you know this you know magic 75 dollar 90 dollar 100 dollar you know get your spatial audio going from a stereo track obviously is it is difficult to absorb you know and uh, the normal reaction is you know to kind of you know bring it down as far as What it can do. Now, I think that there is potentially some, you know, some audience, some, some creators that'll be interested by by it. I haven't listened to it. I can obviously I cannot comment. Uh, and I'm assuming that they are using, you know, some reverberation engine strategies to kind of create some space, really, because obviously spatial audio is about some space, some, you know, some um some depth, you know, trying to get some depth going. But, you know, to me, the the biggest challenge start with the fact that. You know, if you're thinking immersive audio, spatial audio, 3D audio, whatever you want to call it, you know, you are, you know, starting to think with object where they sit in the space. And it's not just, you know, converting, you know, something that wasn't really planned for it to, to it. So really, it's about, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, it starts with the creation. So obviously, uh, I am. Not gonna to say totally against it, you know. It may fit the bill for some people, but you know, for for people like me, you know, they've been on the conversation not for a long time, for that matter of fact. You know, it is uh, it is shocking, you know, to see that and to reduce, you know, immersive audio to oh, just a little algorithm. It's obviously tempting for Flux to stack, you know, I guess twenty Mac Mini, you know, server, a farm of of computers, you know, ready to for you to send your stereo and get get some magic going. But, you know, that's not what we're all about. You know, we're we're about empowering the 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 creators, giving them the tools to actually go nuts in this environment. And it's far from just, you know, doing some stereo to whatever magic, you know, algorithm.
1: Just before we start recording, we were kind of talking about the original part of their business. Um, and um it's fundamentally different. And even then, obviously it received an, um, a lot of criticism and then it kind of settled and it found its niche for for like a user base. Because like you said, there's always market for certain genres, certain type of users will appreciate that kind of service essentially. But we had decades and decades of mastering conventions, an industry that, you know, you could learn from, you could take certain things from very established process and try to use AI or try to kind of uh, do through these automated procedures, Uh, you can kind of live with that. What's very different here is that spatial audio as a concept, obviously, it's not new. But in terms of what's happening with spatial audio across the spectrum, across the industry, in its current form is very recent. So many things happening, it's evolving so rapidly. And it's too soon to automate such process and in fact it's impractical and you you provided some technical examples why would that be impractical we're still learning we're still figuring out the best way different ways new ways a number of uh, experienced uh, mixing engineers who have been working in industry for decades just getting their head around how to mix in this new paradigm if if we're just going to take it and just you know homogenize basically um every single production uh, through the same algorithm if this was to take off on a on a huge scale um there's a real danger for for kind of um going off rails so soon before we even establish what 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 needs to happen monica what do you think
2: yeah so i mean i think uh you know upmixing is not a new concept that was you know um it's been around for a while you've been able to upmix a stereo to a 5.1 or a 7.1 and for the most part i've always thought it's a horrible idea um <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily sound good um you know i think one of the things that is intriguing to me about lander and you know i haven't actually heard you know what their output ends up sounding like um so i want to refrain from too much negative commentary until you know I have that experience but uh you know they do claim to be using AI algorithms to be able to do the mastering and I'm wondering if that's the same technology they're going to be using or some you know uh, similar uh, approach for being able to work with the Dolby Atmos mixing and I think that um you know, AI has come a very, very far distance in just a couple of years, and the capabilities that AI is contributing um, to a lot of different industries is pretty phenomenal and has blown me away in the sense of what it is capable of. And, you know, some of the audio AI stuff that I've heard is really remarkable and I things that I just never would have thought were possible or suddenly possible just with an algorithm. Um, So I think there is some interesting elements there in seeing how when you apply AI to the problem, if that actually does create a better upmix and if the upmix can sound better um, or if, you know, we are kind of limited to, you know, what traditional upmixing has sounded like, which uh, I I feel in the past has not been very, uh, um, that has just not been very good. Uh, so I, I think, you know, we'll see kind of as we're moving in this future, but I definitely agree with you, Oliver, that, you know, this is a very new area right now. And, um, and I'm sure as we talk more with Hugo today, uh, you know, uh, algorithms and what algorithms you use to spatialize audio really change how the sound um, sounds and how the spatialization and the experience is. And I think, you know, spat revolution uh it it allows you to actually choose a lot of different algorithms and be able to kind of you know mix and match algorithms dolby atmos it's just one algorithm that you're working with and so what happens when we are just kind of getting marrying um you know our listeners to one algorithm
1: yeah i just can't agree more i think um, there's many examples where AI is being used very successfully and and uh, continue to evolve and improve uh, all the time, and I have no doubt that technology can uh, provide some really smart solutions and just get better in the future. But one problem that I just can't see being solved is this: the unique qualities of a song of a production, where well, another dimension that maybe allowed some kind of artistic expression and uh, really allowed people to experiment and be unique with their approach. And if you unify it with one algorithm, I think it's um, it's a very dangerous path um, and uh, certainly not something we want neither as a creator nor as a consumer.
3: And I really like what you said, you know, we don't have a lot of experience to kind of, you know, generalize this into some intelligence really uh and and beyond that really if you were to tell me tomorrow morning you know we're pushing on the lander server all the audio objects and thanks to that amazing algorithm it's making some decision to create something i would say you know what let's look at what it is you know what it is and it could be very interesting and i could see you know, having those discrete objects, audio objects, how maybe this could evolve in time. But now, you know, if we're talking about pure stereo, well, there it is. There's the resolution. You can try it as much as possible to extract some rear out of it, you know, with some up-mixing strategy. But man, the elevation, the top, like... So to me, really, you know, if you want to bring some depth to that stereo, you know, that or dual mono, I like to call stereo dual mono, but that's just a, a side joke I do with live sound guys all the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, you take those two stereo tracks, really, I mean, you know, a reverb engine can definitely, and we, we've done it, I've heard, you know, just taking a live a live stereo recording from a console... Sticking it into a reverb engine and kind of getting it, you know, put, giving the feeling of being in that venue, you know, getting some reflection going, maybe doubling the stereo, you know. We we've played with some stuff like that and it works, you know. So yeah, there are ways to, you know, doubling the stereo to kind of create some some false reflections, you know. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, there are s- some techniques that can be used to bring some depth and some air and some space, which yeah, it's it's what spatial audio can do, but yeah. I mean, it is two channels and it is, you know, a format. <laughs> it's not agnostic of a format, right? So, and that will get us talking about, you know, ADM and ADM OSC, something we've been part of and how, you know, I'm a strong believer of these, these agnostic master files that's got all the objects, you know, and, and, and the possibilities of rendering uh, the format of the day, you know,
1: let's call it like that. I feel like we can talk about this forever, but um, let's move on to the interview. But uh, before we do, I just, I'm curious if there's anybody out there who's listening. What do you think about this? Um, how does it affect you? Maybe you have heard an example uh, that completely blown you away and, and you completely disagree. Um, we'd like to hear from you. Drop us an email and let us know your thoughts.
2: Yeah, if you do that and want to send us uh, what, what, how it sounds, I'd love to be able to hear it.
1: Hugo welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast. Uh, we are absolutely delighted to have you. It took us a while to organize this, but at last you're here. Tell us, how did you get started in the audio industry? And when did you join Flux?
3: Well, um, I started as a teen, really, in my teens as a DJ and event entertainment, really. That was, you know, what kind of brought me uh, into all this. And very rapidly, you know, I, I got interested by the technology side part, you know, side of it. That's, that was kind of, you know, the, the beginning of all. Uh, the fun part really started when I was working at Club Med as a GEO, you know, uh, Club Med Mexico, for that matter of fact. And obviously, theatrical plays and, you know, already, no, although I didn't have an immersive system back then, I was kind of already into, you know, audience experience, you know, quite a bit. And my life moved on, you know, from, uh, you know, uh, from kind of audio mixing into some more technical direction roles. To, you know, when in 1999, I really decided to jump into the manufacturing, you know, side of the business, representation, distribution. Uh, one of the actual first brand I got involved with was BSS Audio. And that was when they released uh, BSS SoundWeb Green. So believe it or not, my first serious immersive installation was around, you know, uh, I was a consultant here in Montreal that, you know, kind of dropped the challenge on me of using the SoundWeb Green to make... Uh, it was actually, funny enough, a Club Med. Was that the Club Med experience? It was not the Club Med. It was the... Uh, well, there was two experiences. One was a Club Med experience, and the other one uh, was a, a, another project, but where we we used the sound web to actually kind of do, you know, some localization, use the matrixing and routing audio. So... Um, it's very, very, very interesting, uh, you know, how kind of got started. And uh, after those manufacturing, uh, you know, representation years, I kind of started my companies in 2007, you know, where I got involved closely with Avid Live Sound. So much in mixing system that's been kind of, you know, my, you know, a good part of my last, you know, my last years anyway. Uh, and that's how I actually got to discover Flux. Uh, there was, and that was very interested by, 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 you know, uh, by Flux from the ircam partnership, the relationship there, which I could talk about a bit later. But, uh, and then the Flux analyzer, that flagship analyzer that I became a, an actual tester from on the Avid platform. Um, so uh, it was some integration, plug-in, extracting the audio from the live sound console, sending to an analyzer. So I became a tester for that. And uh, yeah, got to meet uh, Flux founder, Gael Martinez. And we really rapidly became good friends, you know it was a it was a a lunch meeting business lunch meeting in Montreal that kind of lasted five minutes to rapidly discover that we had you know many common passions and <laughs> you know we kind of switch after five minutes talking about you know wine, coffee, and all the passions we have in common and uh, you know, we've been enjoying a lovely dynamic together since, and I guess the rest is history by now. So, yeah, that's kind of uh, the beginning of it, really, and the, the, the IRCAM partnership and what was going on. Uh, so, yeah, that was around six, seven years ago, obviously uh, specific to SPAT Revolution and, and SPAT. Uh, it was a bit more, more recent than that, maybe five years ago, where I kind of, uh, you know, started to... Uh, really get interested from the the live production perspective which i came from quite a bit no secret there and the theatrical side of it so the you know the cirque du soleil whatever theatrical style productions and how they've been using immersive audio um some of that you know with the avid console the fact that i've been you know doing the avid live sound console support in canada for a while kind of got me to you know Uh, dive in into those workflows you know where immersive audio immersive tools were used in live production or theatrical so um yeah so that's kind of you know what got me going with flux anyway
1: can you give us an overview what sort of audio areas you're catering for as a company at the moment
3: uh well historically really flux made its reputation around mastering uh no secret about that and some you know trying to bring some new spins and approaches around you know the use of dynamic tools plugins so really you know you know mastering is one of the you know the old you know (laughs) our, our, our prime customers really you know and that's you know where we've built a reputation but you know we could say you know that we tailor to music creation today anyway to live production to post to install sound obviously with you know with immersive audio uh, you know, that's definitely kind of, you know, brought a bunch of new uh, areas, market areas. So we deal with sound designers, we deal with mixing engineers and composers. You know, that's that's really, you know, kind of what our community is all about today. You know, these mixing engineers, sound designers and composers, music composers that, uh, you know,
1: um, yeah. I would like to ask kind of about your own aha moment. Obviously, you've been developing tools for audio for decades but what made you switch or realize that spatial audio is something really important or special here and when did you guys start working with spatial audio and why uh, i mean as flux
3: anyway i mean it really started you know with our with our flagship analyzer where we realized the importance of providing a tool that could you know have multi channel support um uh, and that—that's kind of where it started, and that started—that uh, was the beginning of us of developing what we call the sample push technology. So I was talking earlier about you know a plugin on a console extracting the audio. Well, that actual plugin, you know, uh, is something that we have in various formats, extracting audio from a Pro Tools, from a whatever, an AX, an AU, a VST, you know, format plugin that extracts the audio and in multi-channel, uh, bringing the information, the samples to the analyzer. Um, and that is a huge area of, of potential development for us. In the past, we do not support Atmos yet in that analyzer. We've been busy with so many other projects. It's on the list. It's on the bucket list. Um, and uh, and naturally, that you know that kind of opens up the conversation of multi-channel processing. Uh, there's no secret that the unique you know uh, relationship with the IRCam. Uh, you know having the responsibility and the mandate to commercialize and develop the tools you know kind of brought us directly into spatial audio to begin for that matter of fact uh, you know was the IRCAM verb you know f- which ultimately is not strictly a reverb engine but it kind of sits between reverberation and spatial audio um, you know and um you know, SPAT existed as a plugin, you know, uh, a, a while back. I don't know if you're know much, aware of this. We, we could talk about that a bit later. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that a, a big portion of, of immersive audio or spatial audio, whatever you want to call it, you know, has obviously that beautiful relationship with the ear cam that Partnership really, which is not just us, you know, licensing, but really, you know, a partnership has been going on since ten years. So, you know, Air technology, you know, to viralize another one, uh, you know, and the Spat algorithm that's been, you know, that we've been playing with that's at Flux for close to ten years. Now we no longer make that Spat plugin. Uh, there's always some debate if we should try to bring it back or not. We really moved on since then, you know, identified the need of a standalone product. You know, uh, it still has some plugin tools um, and. The standalone solution is what SPAT Revolution is all about today, right? So, yeah, so that was kind of the beginning for Flux, but always interested in multi channel from, from the monitoring or the analysis perspective for sure, forever. Uh, and naturally, in multi channel processing, all our plugins have some multi channel capabilities. We've increased, you know, some to 16, actually, all the way to, I mean, some audio extracts. We do at 64 channel, and we're not finished. We're on that as well. Obviously, the demand for, for, for Atmos. You know, right now uh, and and, or ambisonic third order and stuff like that add us uh, consider, you know, increasing the channel count of most of our products. So always comes with challenges. More more channels means, you know, how do you deal with the UI and representing a good metering of all those channels? So, you know, there's uh, but uh, it's been it's been a fun ride.
1: Well, this is a perfect segue to a hot topic, which is Spat Slash Spat Revolution, and we'll dissect that in more detail in a moment. I just wanted to stay the obvious for many uh, who are listening, and potentially remind for others who haven't used Spat, haven't come across Spat before. It's been, it's a tool that's been absolutely instrumental for a lot of people within the spatial audio community in many ways. So let, let's talk about it. Can you tell us? about the software and what it's for, what it's capable of. And then maybe can you explain how original SPAT kind of connects to SPAT Revolution in its new shape or form?
3: Uh, totally. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the you said the odd conversation, you know. I mean, it is the odd conversation internally at Flux. We spend a tremendous amount of time on this tool. And, and a big portion of what SPAT Revolution is all about is Making some decisions or helping, guiding the users to make the proper decision because there's a lot of technology, and for people that have been, you know, are familiar with what's been going on at Ircam with Spat, Spat, and Max, it's just you know a mind-boggling you know toolbox. But you know, and and it's not necessarily have to be careful. What I say always, it's not necessarily. You know, package. There's obviously a bunch of room for errors. It's not. We're really trying with, with Spat Revolution to to assist in some ways. You know, uh you know, by making recommendation. You know, you know, and you as you're making a speaker arrangement, telling you that you can't really use that panning technique, or you may want to add a virtual speaker in it. Trying to kind of, you know, and obviously. Beyond that is to ease the integration. You know, obviously we have our own plugins for that integration. But uh, you know, I mean spat revolution can be different things for different use cases. It's it's really, I like to call it, you know, it's a it's a toolbox, it's you know, being able to customize your your environment, you know. So it's you know, blocks, you add modules. You know, I was talking about Soundweb, you know, green. That was my biggest thing. You know, I got excited with this product because hey. I could design my audio chain. Well, you know, you know, an open architecture. So SPAT still got that. Although we are trying lately, you know, with the, the SPAT Revolution Essential series to kind of, you know, propose a wizard, you know, for you to make your, your configuration and not be so much about adding m- modules and connecting them together. But at the base, this is what it is, you know, an open architecture to customize your environment. So in that environment is what? Well, it's an object-based audio tool really uh, you know um, that provides uh, you know that has this concept we call them rooms or virtual rooms where basically the source are being mixed I'm going to say mixed but they're being positioned anyway um, and 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 what really kind of glues it all together and is the spat room concept this you know the reverb engine and the acoustic simulation that really comes in Glue it all together, you know, to come and reinforce that feeling of immersion. Because, really, you know, without that element, well, it's just it's a signal in space. It's amplitude between speakers, or depending, obviously, which which technology we're using. But yeah, the reverb engine is is another very important. So, object mixing tools, a virtual room where source are being mixed, but where there's kind of an acoustic simulation, uh, you know, to bring it all together, and basically. Uh, You know, I mean, reflections are so powerful and people that have been in immersive audio really understand how much reflection can come in and reinforce that sense of, you know, depth and that sense of localization. Uh, uh, So really, you know, we call it painting your soundscape in a lot of ways, you know, with reverb support. That's what it is, you know, just a 3D view, some objects, you put them in the space and uh, and with the the, the, uh, the support of a reverb engine or not, obviously, if you may not want to be putting a reverb on a kick, you, know, you can obviously put it off or choose which kind of reflection you want, uh, which is getting more in the, in the details. And then, you know, what are you delivering with it? Well, uh, it's, you know, uh, basically, by, you know, at the base, obviously, we do channel-based formats. Uh, you know, and with, I would say, two hands full of panning techniques. So we are not imposing a single technique. We've got various techniques. Some of them are more sweet spot specific. Others are kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know more tolerant to audience spread. You could think about creating some content for, for a museum experience, for a sound installation, where the audience may not necessarily be, you know, in a sweet spot. And when I talk about sweet spot, the sweet spot can be fairly big, but still... When you go at the, you know, if you're walking a hundred meter corridor, well, you know, a sweet spot, uh, you know, strategy will definitely not work there, most probably not work anyway. So, so yeah, so these channel based, you know, uh, 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 panning techniques that we have, you know, it is uh, as well, you know, providing delivery of binaural, um, you know, doing a binaural synthesis of that scene. uh, You know, uh, we do offer a virtualization. Of channel based arrangement, which we call binaural monitoring, where the speakers, you know, your speaker format gets virtualized. So it's through previewing what those 7.14 sources would, would do in binaural. But we have as well a, what we call a pure, you know, pure, I'm not sure pure is the white word, but a pure binaural synthesis uh, where all objects in that environment, that virtual room, you know, uh, are getting processed. We're using HRTFs, uh, you know, we've got two strategies a binaural. A pure binaural or a near field strategy, and then we have more of a math- mathematical model uh, with uh, what we call, you know, spherical and snowman, um, and then we've got the third one, the third area, the scene-based area, uh, which is ambisonic, uh, with support all the way to seventh order. So you know, so really, ultimately, delivering channel base, you know, binaural or ambisonic in parallel, if you want. That's obviously this multi-room concept. So you could be delivering in parallel multiple formats, which is, you know, powerful, very powerful in my book. Obviously, if you've got the good computer to uh, to support that. Um, we could look at SPAT as well as a pure transcoding tool as well. You know, if you, we have all these transcoding possibilities. So transcoding, you know, ambisonic microphones, uh, you know, from ambisonic to channel-based, you know, from binaural to transoral. So all, oh, you know, some of those tools exist in there. And um, really, you know, as, as a tool, man, it can be used kind of in, in two ways, you know, either as kind of a standalone You know, audio software, which may have external controllers, you know, sending. And we use OSC, which I think we'll talk maybe later in the call, you know, and using snapshots. So typically the live immersive performance where, you know, you'd be recalling a snapshot or having external controllers that is doing a real time. Uh, Or then, you know, the other kind of area where it plays, it's as a sidekick to the DAW, which I call it, you know, replacing the busing you know, or the lack of busing or the lack of formats in the DAW, if you are using something that's confined to mono and stereo elements, SPAT can kind of, you know, come in and become, you know, the extension of the DAW, replacing that bus with advanced, you know, spatial panning techniques, and then bouncing that content back. So really kind of two areas, you know, as a standalone kind of, uh, I get live inputs and I output you know, live channels or binaural live, and then, or really as the sidekick, which is obviously more the the content creation dynamic, um, you know, which we obviously play quite a bit on, so.
2: Awesome. I want to dive a little bit deeper into this conversation around algorithms. I know I, we brought it up uh, in the um, news, when we were talking about the news item, and um, I think it is one of those things about SPAT revolution that's very interesting to me, as well as just, you know, the SPAT tool sets in Macs um, that IRCAM developed, in, is this ability to uh, use different algorithms and be able to mix and match them. And I think, again, when we talk about algorithms that a lot, like a lot of other um people's approaches or companies approaches to working with spatial audio. Um, they, there's only one algorithm that you're, um, able to access and you don't, um, have access to all these other algorithms. Uh, would you mind going a little bit more in depth talking about, you know, some of the different algorithms and some of their different uses that spat revolution offers and, you know, what you feel is, uh, how this um, enables the users uh, to be able to do things that they wouldn't be able to replicate in other ways
3: and and, and you know you, I'm talking about this format agnostic or approach agnostic often you know and that's what you pointed out and and, and it was a you a know, really good introduction to a uniqueness of spat revolution now i don't want to discriminate you know people that have made decisions because obviously when you're giving you know a complete tool set it does bring the possibility of, well, confusing the user, you know, for users that are kind of new to the technology, it may get confusing, you know, you might make wrong decisions. So guiding, you know, some guidance. So choosing on technology, which is something that immersive engines and live world are doing, for example, in some cases, and we talked about Dolby, that's kind of the same way, but it brings an advantage. I have to give it. Now, obviously, why do we, you know, want to, you know, remain agnostic and have all these panning techniques? Well, well, number one, because we deal with various environments. You know, Dolby was very much developed around cinema. And I did kind of talk about this panner a bit, you know, earlier, but you know, it was very developed for a specific market. But I think what they will be facing uh, you know, over time is obviously that, you know, well, we're not necessarily approaching things the same way when you're creating music. And that will get us to talk about, you know, this the object distance, you know, and how it can drive amplitude. So, and which is another conversation, but from, from this agnostic, you know, concept, you know, we try just not to impose an approach and we like to, to, to believe that it's a great learning tool. You can imagine that we have quite some education, universities, research centers, you know, that have been using SPAT and or SPAT Revolution now. Um, and it's really to have that tool set to create, to refine artistic intentions. It's that that it where it, it all starts. Now, if we're more pragmatic about that conversation, really, you know, it's either we're dealing with an environment that's very egocentric, I call it, the sweet spot, you know. And now it's what we've been learning to do, right? Mixing in five-one or whatever. It's me sitting in my ideal position, my ideal chairs. And that's great, obviously, for the hundreds and thousands and millions of people wearing their headphones. They're locked in the position. And you can obviously, you know. Uh, But that's not always the case, you know? There, you know, chances are that there's some people sitting at the extreme left or extreme right of of that that system, that diffusion system. If you talk about a live performance, or even worse, if you're talking about the museum experience, the sound installation, where people are walking all over the place, you know, where we're getting close to more of a matrix strategy, I guess, in some ways. But so, so, so really, you know, it tries to cover two big areas. I call them the egocentric kind of approach or the sweet spot relative to the to a center reference to a you know, always relative to that listener in some ways. Although, yes, as I said earlier, that sweet spot zone can be big. And I'm not saying that you can't use these approaches for, you know, um, for, for live performance, but they, they come with constraints and you have to make decisions to, to go around them. And then the other one, which is more of an allocentric kind of object to object, a position-based approach, where you're not in the direction, the object in its direction to the center, but you're more about the position uh, you know, uh, of the objects and the speakers or the diffusion system, for example, right? So that and that is another fundamental difference, you know, in, in, in these groups of panning techniques. So, you know, not sure if we want to get into the specific, but yes, on that long list of technologies and techniques, there are kind of two groups, you know, uh, the ones that are more around a position, so speaker or diffusion system, I, I could say, and and actual, you know, audio object elements, objects. Versus um, the direction approach, uh, which we've been used to, you know, uh, you know, which is, you know, what you know, binaural does, which, which is what you know, uh, you know, the the traditional vector-based amplitude panning, you know, has been doing for a while. So, yeah, so it's yes, open because we are tailoring to, you know, various various types of creation. You know, maybe today you are creating some content for a museum. You won't be applying the same strategy. You know, you'll still put some, some speakers, elements, you know, uh, in, in your virtual room, but you won't necessarily uh, confine your object signal to go only to one, you know, or to two based on a sweet spot you know so yeah this position approach DBAP KNN, distance based amplitude panning we call it KNN and WFS in some ways you know gets you uh, you know um, there as well which is we're actually testing here um, this week we've been in field testing for over a uh, Well, more than a year, the pandemic hasn't made it difficult to actually go uh, in the field and real, real life situation. But uh, we're right now testing some new algorithm. That's one of the reasons I've got uh, my friend here in the Montreal studio. Um, So, yeah, dealing with various, you know, the the two main, really, I would say, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, fundamental differences, which is. Are you tailoring to an audience, a confined audience, you know, audience, so a single person or a group of whatever, you know, that's in the center and surrounded by by loudspeakers versus the obviously the other approach where you know you've got people in the extremes, <laughs> the extreme location, and you're, you know, you can't really use the a sweet spot-centric approach for that.
2: Yeah, I know. In my personal experience, which uh, is is mostly in live. Um, spatial audio production. you know, I find that um, you know, each algorithm has a different tone, and it's kind of, you know, being able to choose between different algorithms is like choosing a different plugin. Um, or a different, you know, EQ, you know, for, um, a, you know, a, a track that you're working with. And they give you a different sound and you might want a certain sound for one thing and a different sound for another thing. Um, and I, d- I do find, you know, SPAT Revolution's approach by creating a space where you can um, combine and be able to uh, choose different algorithms to be um, really interesting in that way you
3: could even say layer in some ways, because if you start to mix techniques, maybe for your creation, you are doing, you know, uh, you're creating little bubbles. Uh, I mean, there's an example, I and mean, in the theatrical, I mean, think about a circular stage where you have speakers all around. Maybe you are, you know, using a traditional sweet spot, you know, centric approach to create, uh, you know, uh, um, um, a mix to some audience zone, bubbles, I call them, you know, that are very much confounded in an environment. And that is one of your, you know, of your layer, you know, where you may not be localizing as much, you know, but you're just trying to, to build a, a nice music bed, immersive. Think about a theatrical production, a Cirque Soleil production, whatever, where you're sitting, this, you know, 270 degree, there's kind of, you know, three, uh, a quadrant, you know, the quadrant, there's a front quadrant and the left and right quadrant. Well, you can kind of build three, you know, uh, bubble, or tree or a mix for these bubbles these three bubbles which could form one layer but then you can as well kind of on top of that use every single loudspeaker in the system you know for some sources some specific sources for example where you would want to you know really more like use a, 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 a position based approach where the source is in relationship to the speaker, you know, and spread it out. So, yeah, we could start to think about layering, you know. It can obviously get complex, you know, uh, uh, but, um, but, yeah, the doors are open, you know, for you to start thinking differently than just being forced into one approach. And, you know, this concept of using two techniques.
2: Yeah, it's not just about, you know, the spatialization as it is about um, being able to combine and create, you know, the different tonalities that these different algorithms offer. Um, yeah, so I'd like to uh, move into talking about OSC. Um, for those out there that are unfamiliar with OSC, it stands for Open Sound Control And it's a a protocol that um, communicates over a network for being able to kind of really send messages uh, for whatever you want. Um, And then you can use that to control um, whatever you want um, if you have the right tools to be able to do that. Um, And I know SPAT Revolution allows you to have full control over um, – is it all of its parameters or just many of its parameters using OSC?
3: We could say all the parameters, although we're not trying to configure, you know, or change preferences from OSC commands. When you're talking about object properties like a source, an audio source, you're talking about, you know, your master modules, you're talking about the reverb engines, the control of that room, those room parameters. You know, everything is accessible. And we've been increasing you no know, the grammar. There's always there's always ideas around this, but yes, you could. We're all about OSC. We've got eight OSC slots that can be input or output. Uh, and um, so yeah, we can you know get control from and or you know sending you know the data to other systems. It's important to say as well that we are not strictly, we haven't made a decision for the user. We're not strictly going on a our Cartesian approach with XYZ or in a polar spherical AED approach. We have we offer both. Funny enough, some people actually have told me in the past, oh, we're using SPAT to convert data. We're stuck with this tool that's you know <laughs> polar only. And we've got this, so we're using SPAT just as an in-out OSC converter and we have transcoding as well so we are well, not transcoding sorry transformation uh on these osc messages but um but yeah so we're we're all about you know uh, open sound control um so using external you know whatever i mean osc is everywhere uh it's not the only uh, control protocol but it is the de facto now and i think that you know, as you know, times keep you know moving, I mean, it's we're going to be seeing it you know everywhere more and more. Consoles, manufacturers are are, are not all uh, on that wagon yet. I would love to see that grow. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, but that is in in the process of changing. You know, I can take a you know, manufacturers that, that that will be releasing, you know, OSC, uh, which to me is 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 a real nice way. You know, I mean, MIDI worked for a while, and I don't want to start to talk about MIDI too right now, but um, I mean, OSC has proved to be really solid. It's simple. It just sends a message to respond. It doesn't have all the complexity of some other communication pro- protocols. So, yeah, there's some, you know, it brings some challenges. Uh, but, um, yeah, so as I was saying, you know, I mean, yeah, so it could be, you know, object controllers, tracking systems that spits out OSD. You know, if you want to add some tracking and live performance, most systems have OSC out of their tra- out of their computers, their servers, or at least have a, a converter to be spitting out to OSC. Um, so, yeah, makes it very simple to create anything custom, too. You know, there's a bunch of tools out there. I mean... I don't want to be name dropping. I mean, QLab. I've been been programming, you know, in the last days they're doing some stuff. It's just easy, you know. It's just really, really easy to build, you know, show control. Um, Yeah, and I like to say, you know, to see the OSC will become kind of a standard streaming. You know, Uh, I call it streaming, but at least for streaming the position of the object and or or beyond that, I think it is definitely where it's all going to nicely live together in in future ecosystems as far as a communication language. Anyway, so
2: are there any uh, specific um examples of really interesting uh uses that you've seen people implement with osc into spat revolution
3: specific interesting ones yeah i mean there's I can't really think about a single one uh we always you know you know we get some support requests sometimes some questions around you know what people are deploying and it's it's kind of mind boggling and and then you know it there's obviously there's more that you add stuff is like you know which which controller has the priority over uh but uh no i'm not thinking about some specific one i mean obviously you know one of the aspect you know that we've been dealing with uh, recently is uh you know the the fact that data that are coming in osc messages uh maybe are coming from a normalized system so that is one reality when you deal with OSC is those messages, those parameters are based on a scale of something are either normalized or they are, there's a range, right? The tool that's spitting out the message might be restricting the range and you have to interp- you know, be the, the interpreter, you know, of that information. So, we have about a year ago added what we call uh, you know, uh basically, you know, transformation. So, scaling from normalized to other, you know, or others, restricting a range, offset, convert to other value. So, you know, we that so so what what I what is crazy right now is yeah, people can pretty much, you know, use use spat revolution as a as a AOSC, uh transposer translator trans call it whatever you want to call it um uh you know so now the grammar conversation is one thing and that is the the area of a challenge because although we may be able to scale there is still the need to adopt an address right if i need to speak to you well i need to be speaking in english monica well, i don't know maybe you speak other languages than in Francais, I could do in Francais, I could do in another language, but I'll most probably run out of, of languages at one point. So, so you know, that that, that is a challenge of OSC is that no, not everyone is using the same address messaging and the same, yeah, the same language. Let's just put it in a simple way. Now, we've been trying to support, we've been trying to support, you know, a few uh, grammars, like we have our own Flux grammar, which we publish so people can, you know, Talk to these objects. We are supporting the Ircam ADM mix grammar, which is slightly different, and we've actually added the Myers space map. You know, so talking about stuff that people have been doing. Well, people have been using the Myers space map (laughs) application and driving objects in Spat. Why is this interesting? Well, as the Myers space map is really working. Well, it can work in a virtual mode, but without audio. Well, SPAT can become that offline creation tool for people that are going to be moving into Myers, Space Map and Galaxy down the road, but need kind of something to get some movements going, some automation to prepare, right? So I-, I find that one interesting. So we're supporting that grammar specifically right now. We could obviously look at grammars from other companies, but and that can bring me to talk about a beautiful project we're working on, which is called ADMOSE. So that is the fourth grammar that we support now, um, and it's it's basically an intent. Uh, well. I'm, I'm stealing your I think I think I'm stealing your question. I'm stealing your question with this one.
2: <laughs> Let, let's dive into it. let's let's talk about the ADM yeah. OSC. I think um, this is sounds like a very exciting initiative and I'd love to hear more about, uh, yeah, what's going on with it.
3: And for people that have been in immersive audio or, or doing these composition for a while, like we've been challenged with this. And you know if if you're the the creator, of something, you know, you're creating content, you've got three, four computers, you're using patch max and convert this, and it's your environment, you'll eventually get something going. But, you know, that doesn't really make it replicable. You can't really send that, that content to someone else. It's very specific. You're, and, and that brings, obviously, the, the, the reasons why ADM, for example, and a standard for archiving. But in, the, in this case, this ADM OSE concept where, yeah, the grammar is a huge problem right now. We all have our little bubbles. You know, I mean, I could think about, I mean, there's really no, no standard. There wasn't any really standard. So, you know, you start to create. You know, let's say that I've got this live sound console and I'm using this tool that speaks speaks out to this renderer, which is coming from the same company, and then I get to create some stuff, but then I'm stuck. I say stuck. My creation is stuck into that language, that renderer. I cannot necessarily be agnostic, you know, and I like to talk about this quite a bit uh, in conversation because... Why would I need to go back to complete pre production where I've got these starting points? I've got these positions already. Why would I be able to say, no, today I'm doing a radio show and I want to feed binaural, you know, and tomorrow I'm in, you know, doing a live show, you know, with that particular system, or I need to scale it up, scale it down, but be agnostic, you know, from so, and this is what kind of ADM OSC is all about. So. You know, and 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 as I stole your question, <laughs> I'll stumble right in the conversation of 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 what ADMOSC is. It is, but it is basically an initiative that was driven by Flux uh, NL Acoustic. Definitely need to mention the folks from the L Acoustic Lab. Uh, really by a use case with from Radio France where. You know, they've been doing spatial audio at Radio France for quite some time. I guess guess the proximity of IRCAM and and a lot of technology in France. So they've been doing binaural audio and streaming events and creating content. Um, And, but what they are facing as a challenge is that, you know, you go live, do something, maybe on a system, let's just call it an L-acoustic system. You're doing a creation for that, but then you need to have a binaural version of that. What what do you do? You got to mix again, right? So the ability... For, you know, uh, someone to drive the object mix, position the object in the space, but have two distinct rendering tool, you know, uh, being able to, inter- to 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 take this, de- this data in and render is it, huge. And that's really kind of what drove this project at the beginning, uh, you know, interoperability challenges, you know, <laughs> that's that's what it is, you know, and. No, We try, try to come up with a solution that you're no longer in a DIY kind of, you know, <laughs> figure it out and convert. So um, this, 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 this initiative, uh, we call it ADM and that, there's a question, why is there an ADM into this? Uh, for people that are not, you know, aware of what ADM is all about, you know, the audio definition, definition model is really a solution for eye carving, you know, and for some interoperability. In immersive audio production, that's that's his goal, you know. That's in and, and and thanks to I'll I'll drop Netflix, maybe not, they're not the best example. They have been, but they have been early on, you know, kind of enforcing ADM, a file that's agnostic of a renderer, a file that's got the audio and the metadata. Because and that's great because you've got we we're talking about lender back to our beginning, you know. It it would be really interesting if I could, you know, I could send the audio element and you and then send me, you know. The metadata that your AI did, but anyway, so but it's really has to do with these workflow. I'm a creator. I need to pass my creation to other create to other people in the in the process, in the pre production, in the pro- in the production process, or in different stages. ADM has a lot of power now. ADM has been confined to you know um, you know the cinema environment. I mean, Dolby does you know the Dolby Adobe master is often actually you know referred as an ADM master. You can make an ADM master audio track and metadata uh, primarily position information there's not that many parameters so why ADM OSC well granted we have these audio files that have got some metadata but we need to be able to stream this right I'm opening that ADM file in I'll say Nundo or in Pro Tools or whatever I need to be able to stream this Uh, to stream this to whom well to uh, an external rendering engine right the spat revolution that's going to be processing you know um, the objects so that's really what ADM OSC is all about you know this this, this streaming uh, you know uh, putting OSC as the streaming solution for immersive audio system and then defining a language so we all and that we all agreed on so for now we're basically at the step uh, and it's fairly new it's been we've been on this this thing for about a year a year and a half now uh aes presentation coming there's a panel at aes 2021 on the 27th um It's actually starting to move very interestingly. We've just came out with a testing tool for the other manufacturer because it's not just about Flux or L-Acoustic at all. The work group now is more than 10, 12 manufacturers. I could drop names. I'm not sure I can officially drop names. I haven't asked permissions, but it's already out. Uh, Yeah, I guess it's all fine. There's no secret. I mean, you know, most rendering engines in live industry have jumped on this because they're all interested. Console manufacturer two, three of the leading console manufacturer. No secret, Steinberg, I can name Steinberg and I can name Merging because Steinberg does have OSC capabilities, streaming OSC capability now out of the Nundo 11 um, and where you can actually do ADM OSC. Still some interoperability things to work on, but they've opened the door. Definitely. Merging technology uh, actually does the same thing with their Ovation, which is more their called their playout system that does you know show control. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised to see this as well coming in Pyramix system very rapidly. Uh, So uh, And yes, it is implemented, as I said, in SPAT Revolution and the L-Acoustic system. Uh, L-Acoustic only on output, I believe, but they may be coming from input as well. SPAT Revolution on input and output. And as I said, uh, you know, I mean, Steinberg merging. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there's even product coming down the road that I can't really disclose. Uh, because I haven't asked for the, per- the permission to do so. Uh, but um, it's been a really interesting thing to work on, you know. And right now we're focusing on the position of the object. Maybe it's spreading. You know, we're not trying to fix it all. It's one step at a time, but at least to have a starting point, you know, where we can think about, you know, integrating, building an ecosystem without the oops that we have to go through from the communication perspective.
2: Yeah, this is this is very exciting. I, um, as a DIY OSC user, um, I, I will tell you that uh, having more um, compatibility between softwares um, and systems, especially in the spatial audio realm, will be um, very exciting.
3: Imagine tomorrow, right? You've created something, you export it in ADM. I bring it into my ADM capable playback system. And I can be streaming whatever you your metadata right from your advanced your panner basically you know I can be streaming this into spat revolution and or multiple rendering engine in parallel, so maybe I have a in venue and a in in streaming or for streaming you know binaural audio in parallel, which was the original use case, but you could even think about you know yeah other i mean there's no no really uh, Stop there. Obviously, from a console perspective, external controllers. We're talking here about uh, normalized data, right? So it's you know very much, you know, normalized data that everyone agrees to do on input and output. And then the systems, the renderers, are, are responsible for scaling. So you know, you've done a creation. The show's bigger, smaller. The system scales. The you as a rendering engine, you adjust your your technique. You know, your diffusion system may change, but the fundamental position you know, uh, of, of the objects remain the same. Not going to say that it's going to do magic and that creation will be agnostic of any rendering tomorrow. There's tons of challenges. <laughs> uh, and I can even talk about one of them, which is a, is a unique point in SPAT that I wanted to talk about. Is uh, You know, for example, in SPAT Revolution, we have this concept of, um, you know, using the distance to drive the amplitude. Okay. And that's something that you can't find, right? I was talking about Dolby earlier. When you move a source in a Dolby Panner, as you come closer to the center, you basically come mono. You're exciting all the speakers. And but you can't go outside the box. Where with you know with the Sys with Foot Spat Revolution, you know, you're basically going outside of this, what we call a radius, a, a zone. But when you go outside of that zone as you go away, you're we're driving the gain and the departure to the acoustic simulation engine okay and that is a totally new paradigm to mixing right you're basically replacing those fader operations you know uh by you're painting what you hear you know you want it's too much too much amp too much signal on that one just move it back and obviously driving potentially the reverb engine and that to me that is a the big part of the future we're not the only one with this but it is a big part of IRCAM. Uh, you know, of IRCAM, uh, uh of IRCAM approach, um, and it's found other places. And to me, this is the future. So, but so back back to the point with ADMOSC, it's not going to solve it all because some, you know, yeah, it, it, we are confronted with challenges definitely, and those challenges, you know, are yes, not all rendering are made the same. And my position, you know, uh, the position of that object in the Dolby renderer. You know, so we're trying to kind of come to those oops, but it's, it's an exciting conversation, obviously having the Steinberg people around the table, L Acoustic, which has been driving a lot of, uh, you know, uh, these, uh, these live, um, uh, these live shows, you know, with, uh, with immersive lately, no, no secret about that. Uh, but, um, and yes, it's, uh. We don't want to be going through the oops and have to redo it again and again. Oh, okay, a new show this time with this rendering engine. Ah, get another tool, get another... No, just reuse that content. That content is valid. The data is valid. Let's just get moving, you know? So we like to think it's going to change the the, the dynamic in the future, you know, where, you know, an artist will be able to export this creation in an agnostic way and have the rendering specialist, let's call them that, you know, deal with scaling this up and... You know, um, to an actual deliverable, right? (laughs) Uh, Of some sort, depending on the the need of the day.
2: Are you looking for any more partners in this initiative, or is there a call you want to send out to our listeners to help in the implementation? Definitely
3: any manufacturers are interested. I mean, there's a Git repo now, there's no source code per se in this there's really a specification and a testing tool which we'll be putting online in the next days um, um, so definitely you know I would probably share with you guys this uh, the the git uh, repo uh, link uh, so manufacturers are interested in implemented this should definitely uh, you know uh, take a look at it number one um, and if they are interested to collaborate in the conversation and they believe they can add some value we've been trying to restrain obviously the group and that's not you know, in the sense that we know that when the group gets too large, nothing gets achieved. So we have decided to kind of be careful there. Doesn't mean that we won't we don't include people, but as far as the actual active group, uh. But yes, people that are you know ready to implement have some things to add to the the conversation, and I mean manufacturer that could do something with it. Definitely, you know, welcome to reach out to me. Uh, or you know, and obviously have a look at that repo to begin with. Um, and um, yes, I mean why confine yourself in a specific grammar when you know you can be outputting something the the advantage for a manufacturer right now is well yes if you can spit out ADMOSC you're ready to go with SPAT you'll be ready to go with other products and maybe start to record you know or map this data into your Steinberg Nundo and record it and so on and so forth as this continues to grow so you know that's the last thing you want to do as a manufacturer is you know just Yeah, just adopt the standard. Call it the standard. Funny thing, you know, standards. But yes, adopt adopt at least a common agreed on grammar.
1: What is the best way to find out more about you and your work and Flux Immersive? We have this, you know, Facebook
3: community, you know, which is our user group, the Flux Immersive user group. Great place to get some conversation going. Uh, We kind of want as well this, you know, we don't, have all the answers all the time and, you know, getting, you know, people to, to, to discuss around conversation strategies they've took on a show or on, on a creation. Uh, so we've got that going and we've been, you know, um, uh, we've been uh, very much developing as well content. So in, if, if, mean the, the spatrevolution.com page is a good place to start trial links, bunch of information. We've been trying to do documentation, Not always easy to get all the information from research centers and those scientists that's been building those algorithms for 30 years. And some of things are taken for granted for them, but we're trying to, you know, educate. We've been building some training content, we've been delivering uh, one week you know, spatial audio introduction uh, in France. Uh, we're hoping to bring this, you know, across the world eventually, but the pandemic hasn't made, made it a bit of a challenge. But yeah, the best way is probably, yes, to, you know, hit the SPAT revolution page, get to, you know, the Facebook community to get conversation going, questions if need be. And, you know, right there, you've got a quick guide, a user guide, out to jump in and, yes, you know, open SPAT, get a sound inside, move it, appreciate the reverb engine going binaural. And, and that's it, it's not, There's obviously some complexity with some workflows. That's a challenge that we have, you know, because we deal with many DAWs. We want to deal with all digital audio workstation out there. And that's a a challenging thing to do, to chase. Um, And yeah, so we started to deliver that uh, this year. Uh, And specific to education, well, we have, uh, you know, this. uh, we've done a few things lately for that. Uh, Number one, we've created the SPAT Revolution Essential Product. And it's essential in the way that we've kind of stripped down even some of the complexity and some of the flexibility of the full ultimate. But we really thought about, you know, I don't want to call it my first spat, really. You know, it's very powerful. It does 32 sources. It does binaural or channel-based or ambisonic to third order. One uh, format at the time, but you know it can be swapped very rapidly. So you could do multiple pass on that mix, on that creation. Uh, its price, you know, really kind of aggressive as well. It was done for you know for yeah, just for wider uh, acceptance. And uh, you know, wider audience really, and beyond that, to actually provide some bundles in education. Uh, so, we have come out with these bundles Education 10, 25, 50, where schools, institutions can deploy 10, 25, or 50, either station or have floating licenses for their students. Um, so, that's been something that we've kind of worked on this year with these education bundle, which includes kind of a some master spat ultimate we call it licenses and some of the essentials and essential is just great because it's you know put this on the laptop pair of headphones on your headphone not saying that it's always the best if you have a beautiful inter audio interface use it but you know put a pair of headphones on your laptop if you still have the chance to have one i think they still do most of them, uh, and you know, and there you are in binaural on a plane on the road. You know, getting to starting to experiments, putting an object, understanding what's going on, the use of the reverb engine, this use of distance. It's very uh, I'm trying to find the word in English, but uh, it's not instructive. But I mean, it's 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 empowering. You know, I mean, if you want to dive into spatial audio, Spat is a great place to do your your first. You know, I mean, understand what's going on. What we're going to be offering for the podcast listeners, will be offering a 90 days license of the SPAT Essential. Uh, so with a simple form, you know, link that will be in the show notes, link that, enter your information, and we'll be responding with an actual activation code. Uh, and uh, we'll be, obviously, the activation code will contain, uh, the message will contain as well, an actual link out to redeem that license. So redeeming a license from the Flux website. And there you are with ninety days of use of Spat Essential. Uh, and for the people that would still, you know, like to see the differences and see what the Spat Ultimate and the multi-room capabilities, you know, there you still the possibility later on, for that matter of fact, to request a Spat Ultimate. So kind of your, your fourth month, you know, could be done then be done manually if you're interested to kind of see more we're going to be coming back online with some webinars there's a new spat release coming don't have a date it's coming shortly uh wfs is officially being introduced number one that's going to be a huge one uh you know for us in the next weeks to come uh and we have done a bunch of you know changes to make the uh the workflow simpler uh and we're going to be doing a round of uh, of uh, webinars so for people that are on the Flux Immersive user group, I was talking about earlier, that's where we you know, we post quite some information. We do it by email as well. You'll get the chance to subscribe when you create your account to activate your license. You'll get to subscribe to our newsletter and you'll automatically be getting those invites to these webinars that we do live. We cover different subjects. We've done a run last year and we're aiming to do another run of uh, of uh, five to ten webinars uh, specific to the release, but specific to you know, dealing with logic and, uh, and, and spat revolution for creating Atmos content, for example. And then in, you know, some of the ADMOSC, WFS, we've got a bunch of art subject to talk about. So it'll be fun.
1: Excellent stuff. Thanks, Hugo. We'll make sure to include all the relevant links in the podcast show notes below. And um, uh, lastly, Hugo, can you share one piece of advice that really helped you in your career?
3: That's a tough one i mean i would say you know uh be true as much as you can but at least be yourself you know that would be you know uh you know i've 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 met a lot of people you know uh, over the years and there and there's nothing than you know uh than just being yourself and not pretending some things you you aren't and you know admit that you don't know everything an open conversation to learning mean that's you know i think that that's you know, I do talk a lot <laughs> myself, but I, I've been trying to learn in my life, you know, and sometimes, you know, you talk, you get excited and you think that you know it all. truth of the matter is, is that, you know, we know what we know uh, and be yourself, be honest with yourself, which obviously ultimately t- translate to, you know, getting to figure out what other people think and how they they, they use technology maybe or, or whatever. I mean, this is not, I wouldn't say specific to the industry, but I would say that this, you know, could definitely save you a uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's an advice, but <laughs> that would be my opinion on that one.
1: Yeah, there are many lessons there. Monica, thank you very much. Hugo, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you today as a guest. Um, thanks again. Take care. Thank you. Take care.
2: Thank you, both of you. It was wonderful.
0: If you enjoy the podcast and would like to show your support please consider becoming a Patreon. Not only are you supporting us, but you will also get special access to bonus content and much more. Find out more on our official Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash immersive audio podcast. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast, hosted by Oliver Cadell and Monica Bowles. This episode was produced by Oliver Cadell and Emma Reese and included music by Rhythm Scott Got an idea for an episode or want to comment on something we've discussed recently? Drop us an email at podcast at 1618digital.com or find us on Twitter at iAudioPodcast. If you've enjoyed our show, head to our page on iTunes and leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out. Visit 1618digital.com slash immersive audio podcast to access show notes and other episodes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.
2: Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.